Hey there, welcome back to Science Fiction. My name is Salim Sitarwala, and as always, I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Carl Eames. Carl, how are you? Good, and how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I uh, The Bulls just won, so... Oh, um, they won a game, finally? Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, <laughs> they've been struggling without uh, Caruso and, and Lonzo Ball, uh, defensively, that is, so... They they took care of the Hornets tonight, um, pretty pretty smoothly uh, actually. They didn't, uh, you know, they they controlled the game for the most of the game at least. So that was nice to see. Uh, what's new with you? Anything new on the? Uh, I, I know you've been uh, posting your pictures on uh, repainting of your toys. Uh, I saw you had uh, finished a couple of them. Um, how's how's that going? Yeah, so like uh, I usually do like four at a time so the last one the one i just finished painting last night slash today uh is like the fourth of that group so Mm -hmm. now that she's done i just got to do like pictures and stuff but um i got a new group of four that is ready to go or not ready but like ready to be started on i got them like sitting right behind me um so like next week or so i'll be getting going on a new uh new batch Actually, the one nice. I just finished is right there. That one right there. Oh, okay. Nice. It. Yeah, it's a little tiny, tiny mm-hmm. little toy way in the back. Uh, that's cool, though, man. That's that's nice that you're getting into that more or getting back into it and getting caught up on the things that you wanted to do. So that's pretty That's pretty neat. Um, yeah, I've been doing about the same reading comics. Nothing, nothing changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, doing that and just... Uh, enjoying uh, i started the yeah, yeah, show wheel of time I'm, I, we'll talk about it a little bit uh, I, at some point i say a little bit we'll talk about it at some point on the show but okay. wheel of time i started that uh it's pretty it's pretty good i like it so far it's in- exciting um it's a series on amazon prime but uh yeah that's going well and it's about it but uh yeah we have a we have a pretty good show uh changing it up a little bit here but that what than what we normally do, uh, we're we're going to instead of talking about just movies that are coming up or Marvel movies that are coming up or DC movies or any other science fiction movies that are coming up or movies that we've seen recently that are newer, we're gonna go uh, back into a little bit of older movies um, that we both think are are kind of underrated and not as appreciated as maybe they should be. Um. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. And th- those movies are, for myself, I picked V for Vendetta, and you picked Scott Pilgrim versus versus the World. So we'll yes. get into those shortly here. Uh, before we get into those, we do have a couple of quick fast flicks that we wanted to uh, just kind kind of uh, let the listeners know about. Uh, one thing I wanted to let the listeners know about: there was this movie that. Now, Grant, there's not a lot out there about this movie. It still intrigued me just because, like, it's going to be out in, a, like, two months, essentially. And so far, we don't know a lot about it. The movie is called 65, and it's coming to theaters April 29th, 2022. And so far, the only thing we know that is the cast, the lead looks like is Adam Driver uh, with... Chloe Coleman and Ariana Greenblatt. Those are the only cast members we know about. Um, it's the writers are the people who wrote the Quiet Place, uh, Scott Beck, uh, Scott Beck, 
and Brian Woods. And looks like our Sam Raimi is the director. So basically, the, this is like the only thing that we know about. It says which fo- 65 follows an astronaut named Adam Driver who crash lands on a mysterious planet only to find out that he's not alone. Um, so basically, like I said, it just kind of like, it's so vague as far as uh, what the movie's about. And it's kind of interesting that like so far into, like it's going to be out in a couple of months, we don't know a lot about it. And I'm, I'm interested, like I'm, I'm all into see, like I want to see what this movie is about now. Like it's me, I'm weird like that. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> like it, the, the, the fact that we know so little about it and the fact that it's like it kind of interests me because it's about like outer space stuff like that, about going to a different planet. That kind of stuff just interests me all the time, anyways. So I'm I'm intrigued about watching this movie that comes up. And Adam Driver is is a good actor. So are those two girls that are on that cast? Um, have they been in anything else? I have no clue, to be honest. I don't. Okay. I don't. I haven't looked it up. Um, not in depth. I don't know. I, the one on the bottom looks, just looks familiar. I don't know. Like I've seen her in something else. Let me uh, take a look here. Oops. Yeah, just for me, like I said, it's just like a so Ariana Greenblatt. She doesn't even have an IDBM or IMDb. Um, okay, so oh, here it is. the bottom was in that movie with uh, Dave Batista that came out. Um, well, I guess it was two years ago, 2020, where like he was a spy, like the best spy, and she was like the little kid. Um, I, I guess oh, yeah, there it is, or something like that. Yeah, I, I knew she looked familiar. Um, uh, she calls my spy Ar- Ariana was in uh, Scoob. She played the voice of young Velma. Um, and then she also did Young Gamora. She was the uh she was young Gamora in Avengers Infinity War. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's yeah. cool. And then yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she has a bunch of little about... stuff here. Yeah, it looks like she has a yeah, bunch of the, little stuff. The here. other thing that's funny about uh the last one, the Chloe Coleman, is that she would have been in the new warriors tv show that never happened apparently she was also in that it looks just like maybe one episode but she would have been in that too uh, i don't know if you remember them announcing a new warriors show and then it just never happened no i don't remember that yeah it was supposed to be a live action show um with you know the new warriors characters in particular is going to be more focused on squirrel girl and Milana Vaintrub, uh, AT&T Lily, that girl. Um, oh, okay. She was supposed to be, because she actually voices Squirrel Girl in the animated series. So she was supposed to be the live action version as well. And they had uh, other characters from New Warriors that were supposed to be on the show. And I think they got as far as filming a pilot episode. But that's also around that time frame where um, Marvel TV and Marvel Studios were like, we don't really talk to each other or do anything. And then Marvel TV like was killed off. So the show was just in limbo and they never got going with it. And they never, cause I remember seeing writers talking about it like last year saying, this is part of the script and this is what we would have done with the show, yada, yada, but it just never 
got off the ground. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's that's a uh, something. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely it's interesting as far as like I said, it just it's it, it caught my eye mostly because of the fact that it's it's going to be out so soon, and you rarely see a movie where it's going to be out in like in a couple of months, and they barely have anything you know promoted about it, or like you barely know the plot, um, other than just that one line that he's guys guy that gets lost in space goes gets on a planet, and then apparently. You know, he finds out that he might not be alone on this said planet. So I'd expect yeah. we probably would have a trailer go up on the Super Bowl. Maybe it could be. Because um, I mean, when else you're just dropping this random? If they're, if they're saving it for this close to the release, it has to be on Sunday. Because when other time would be a good time to put out a trailer? Either true. Sunday or just <laughs> don't That's worry true. about it. Yeah. That that is very true. So we'll see. Like, let's see if they release it on on Super Bowl uh, for sure. Um, and yeah. then next one we have. I know you uh, put it up here, uh, so I'll let you take off with that. Yeah. So uh, a couple days ago, uh, oh. we got a new uh, casting uh, for a, a movie that we didn't really necessarily know was going to happen. This is Madam Webb. So we got Dakota Johnson officially cast as Madam Webb for a Madam Webb movie. Um, so, you know, me and you have been talking quite a bit about Spider-Man and Sony Spider-Man's plans with Spider-Verse and uh, the rumored movies, the castings and stuff like that. Uh, this one is straight up confirming she is going to be Madam Web. There will be a Madam Web movie. Uh, I'd like to know your take on this, your thoughts uh, before I play um, into mine. Yeah, so I, I'm guessing because like there's all the rumors that they're going to do uh, like the Gwen Stacy one as well. The room, the maybe that's going to be more likely to happen too, just because Madam Web obviously. Um, there's various different, uh, how you say, Madam Webs, um, overall. So, um, Cassandra Webb is like the original one that comes out. I, I'd imagine she's going to play uh, a different Madam Web. It's a younger one. Um, forget her name at the top of my head. I'm trying to find it here. But yeah, I mean, I I'm intrigued mostly simply because, like I said, it if it's if they're doing a more of a spider, various different live action Spider Man, uh, Spider Women, like bringing in Spider Girl, um, all these different like Arachne, uh, stuff like that, that could be interesting, I think, um, how they how they go about that because originally I was thinking like Madam Web without Spider Man. But then you kind of see these other stories that they have or rumors that they have that they want to do these other um, movies with Spider, uh, Spider, like the other women, Spider-Man movies or Spider-Women movies or whatever, or like um, Gwen, like Spider-Gwen, for example. So that it could be interesting to see how that works out. Ju Sorry, Julia Carpenter. Julia Carpenter, yeah. I just remember the name. Julia Carpenter is a younger uh, Madam Web. Uh, and I would imagine that's who Dakota uh, 
She became uh, Julie Carpenter became Madam Web at some point. Yeah. She became Madam Web at some point. Um, so I would imagine that's the route they'll go, but like yeah, there's not a lot that we know about it as of yet. It's it's just that's what the casting that they showed that they're going with her as um as Madam Web. Okay. Um yeah, I did I'm just clicking on that now. I had no idea she changed her name recently to Madam Web. Because she was always Spider Woman to me. Um well not the Spider Woman, but it one of the many Spider Women. Um yeah. but but yeah, like I said, I actually saw what I'm sure half of it was clickbait, and I don't know why I decided to click on it in the first place. But people talking about how disappointed they were at this casting because Madam Webb is supposed to be old and she's supposed to be blind. So, Sony, why didn't you cast an old, blind, um, paraplegic woman? You know, how do you hate like this? I'm like, <clears throat> first off, um. You know, all respects to older women and those who are disabled and all of that stuff. There isn't like a whole lot of backstory with Madam Web, like at least this classic version of her. Like, sure, you know, she has a story, but there's never been like a solo Madam Web series or comics or anything like that. Nothing that would sustain a whole entire movie for them to base this off of. So, Clearly, they're going in another direction where they want her to have a whole movie. They need enough. Just like Morbius. Morbius actually does have backstory and does have some comics to pull from. But the Morbius movie is still just inspired by some comics. But they're just doing their own thing and just trying to tie it all together. Because Morbius really doesn't, if you just look at his comics, he really shouldn't probably shouldn't have his own movie. And I don't think Madam Web either. And I also say the case for Craven the Hunter, which they already have Aaron Taylor Johnson cast as Craven the Hunter. He's going to get his own movie, and then they're going to do a Black Cat one. I don't think Black Cat should have his her own movie whenever that happens. So, obviously, they're adding a lot to these characters so they can at least sustain their one movie. Maybe they have a franchise, but I can't imagine they'll do, like, a trilogy of Madam Web. I can't imagine they'll do a trilogy for Craven or anything like that, but you know, we'll see. But one one thing that I think that they could do, um, and they might be doing, especially if we're getting a, a younger version of Madam Web, um, is that not only uh, are we leading this into Spider-Verse, of course, like a live-action Spider-Verse, and she's going to be like one of the reasons why everyone can get together, um, mm. hopefully. But I think they might actually, maybe just a theory, uh, make her more an amalgamation of all of the different spider women uh, in general. So there aren't so many in the film, because like you said, there's, there's Jessica Drew, there's Julia Carpenter, there's Arachne, there's Mayday Parker, there's Silk, there's Gwen, there's um, the Clint Barton daughter, you know, uh, what's the Wolverine story called? I can't think of it right now. Old Man Logan, uh, the oh, one no, from no, there, okay. Uh, okay. Um, and so on. It's like they're not all—they're all in the comic Spider Verse, right? They're not all going to be in this movie. Um, all right. So if she was like a combination of uh, plus that plus, um, just like how uh, Marvel and Fox had to do their little dance around 
mutants and Wanda and Pietro where they Marvel couldn't call Pietro's Quicksilver and they couldn't call him a mutant and they couldn't call Wanda Scarlet Witch until recently when they bought them out and Peter was in the Fox movies like I think there's a, a weird gray area with Julie uh, with Jessica Drew where she is a spider woman but really her history in comics she has almost little to zero association to Peter Parker Spider-Man and wasn't even created she was created for Marvel to make sure that DC didn't steal that name and steal that character so up until recently Spider-Verse happened and she was involved in that so I think and she was mostly an Avenger like you know in, in her tradition of, of comics so I think there might be like some weird sharing thing between Marvel and Sony where Sony might want to use Jessica Drew as an Avenger or in, in their MCU but will allow for Sony to do Spider-Woman and they can just pick Madam Web and, and take some elements of Jessica Drew's past, but not call her Jessica Drew. Maybe throw some Julie Carpenter in there, throw in a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And just if if we're gonna do like a Spider-Verse movie, maybe have two or three female spider people and then a handful of others, because you got Toby McGuire still, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, that's three. People are going to expect those, and then they're going to expect probably uh, 2099 and Miles Morales. And then, if you try to add like 10 other women and then a couple other, like it's just going to be too much. So, um, that's that's my theory that she just won't because she won't be just classic Madam Web but younger, but she might have a, a, a amalgamation of a bunch of female spiders. Right, right. It'll be interesting. I think so. I think what they'll introduce Miles Morales in the second, like the him as a character as in the second. Uh, so the when they're, they're gonna do another trilogy, that's more. That's pretty much been almost confirmed. Um, and the fourth one they're gonna do standalone, and I think the fifth one they'll probably introduce Miles Miles Morales just as a character that he's there. And then I can imagine, I can see them turning him into Spider-Man in the sixth movie. And then from there, then something happens where it's passing of the torch. And then Peter Parker goes away and Miles Morales is Spider-Man now. I can see right. something and like then, that happening. And then also, this is a Sony. So she's going to be a Sony-verse. Um, so there could be the chance that she does some interacting with if they actually go forward with using Andrew Garfield more and um, and having more movies with him uh, or Toby and something like that, and maybe he's spun out um, into being like with Venom and that be the Spider-Man of that universe, um, something like that, because we don't know what's happening with, with Morbius yet and all those uh, Easter eggs of Spider-Man, so who knows? Right, right, yeah. So that'll be interesting. Like I said, I think... I'm I'm more intrigued by it now that since maybe we might have a little more understanding of what they're gonna do, especially like I said, if they if they were gonna go with an old Madam Web, I think I would have been less I would have been like more confused about it, not less excited, I should say, but more confused about it. But I think it makes sense if they're gonna do something like what we're just talking about right here. But uh yeah, so that's our fast flicks. Uh 
now we'll get into the main part of our show. Uh, I'll start off with my movie that I think is kind of underrated. And the reason I, I, I bought it up is because I don't know if you saw there was that one thing going around where there were like four sets of um, there was like I think there was like eight so four by four I think there's like 16 movies and there was like four each and it said pick one from each line okay and most people were not picking V for Vendetta and I mean I kind of get it because I think the it was in with um I can't remember what other movies it was in was lined up but I can't remember on top of my head uh but I was just thinking it's like you know that movie I feel like doesn't get a lot of praise or like credit that it deserves it's like a really good movie at that and you know it's it's basically for those who haven't seen it um it's it's like a movie set in dystopian england and like it's supposed to be in the late 1920s uh does not to make people aware this is a comic book written in 1980 that's what it's based off of so in the comic they have a dystopian england in the late 19, uh, 2020s, um, like a political party that turned the United Kingdom into like a fascist police state. Uh, they kind of preside over a high chancellor, Adam Sutler, who's like the guy who's in charge, who's like the, the party leader. Um, he comes under attack by a vigilante known um, simply as V. Um, and then uh, the ongoing theme of the of the film is while people will change and die, an idea will live on. It's kind of displayed throughout the character, and and you don't really don't know the like the, the V's background a lot. You find out bits and parts of it as the movie goes on, um, and it's basically V getting vent not only vengeance on what was done to him, but basically, like I said, going at you know, anarchy against a fascist regime. Uh, that's what it's the comic book is uh, based off of. And I want to get into a couple of things about the movie that that are like not well known. Uh, but first, I want to point out two quotes from the movie that I really like. Uh, one, this one is just always funny because you know, always in comic book movies, I was everyone's always like, "Who are you? Who are you?" To the guy <laughs> that's wearing a mask, right? And so, so the the two main characters are V and Evie. Evie, who we'll talk about later, is played by Natalie Portman. So Natalie Portman character, when she first meets V, he's she's like, "Who are you?" And then V's like, "Who? Who is but the form following the function of what and what am I as a man in a mask?" Well, then she's like, "Well, I can see that." And then she's like, "And then V's like, of course you can. I'm not questioning your powers of observation." I'm really remarking upon the paradox of asking a masked man who he is. <laughs> so that, it's just always fun. That, that 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 beginning of the line when they first meet, it's like a really funny line uh-huh. um, or, or moment. Like, it's like, yeah, why why would you ask a masked man who are you? Like, he's masked. There's a reason he's it's like, I'm Carl. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's always it's 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 a. I think that's like the only movie that's ever really comic book movie that's done that mm-hmm. or comic book in general that's done that where they <laughs> when when the person asks who are you they're like 
uh, I'm a masked man. Why are you asking me that? <laughs> um, well, they and usually then, go, I'm the Batman or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, something like that. But <laughs> he's kind of, he, he kind of acts like a smart ass. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's funny. Um, and then another line I really like, they kind of join in here. So um, Eve is, is talking about his father. Evie is talking about her, her father. And she's like, he used to say that artists use lies to tell the truth, while politicians use them to cover up the truth, or to cover up the truth up. Um, and then later, and it's important because later in the movie, um, V says, artists use lies to tell the truth. Yes, I created a lie, but because you believed it, you found something true about yourself. And 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 the lie that he creates is he, he basically takes Evie, um, and puts them in a in a fake concentration camp esque thing, and like like he she's she knows who who V really is, and he basically tortures her every day to try to see if he'll give her up, and she stays strong, and she doesn't give her up, and then she that's basically the line. It's like. I created that lie, but because of because you believe that you find something about true about yourself. Like she didn't know she could be that strong. Uh, she she if she if she gave him up, like the basically the fastest party would have won because they would have been able to stop him. But she knew she couldn't do that, even though she was conflicted in how he was approaching doing what he was doing, like what his end game was. Um, so yeah, that those. Two bits part. Um, I was int- intrigued me. Um, I, we'll put up the the poster for V for Vendetta really quickly too. Uh, it's really cool. Simple. Back when movie posters were simple, I feel like I don't know mm-hmm. how you feel nowadays, Carl. But like, I feel like nowadays, like a lot, of, like especially Marvel, and like I'm a Marvel fan. I'm an MCU fan. But they've tried to do like these little Easter eggs and like you know hidden clues that. It kind of becomes it kind of becomes like a where's Waldo of of movie posters. <laughs> like I like like this is a very simple like you know it's a nice poster it's a nice movie poster. Yeah, I think the um, posters nowadays is particularly from I guess maybe DC. I haven't seen so many, but they they all look the same. They don't really. They just like they're all a bunch of all of the cast up there, and then they have like you know just like. You know, like a circle or whatever around the middle. Um, it, it just all looks the same. Like I'm li- literally looking at my Black Panther poster that I have on my wall. And I know I already have the Infinity War poster that looks almost exactly the same. The in-game poster looks almost exactly the same. And I'm sure there's a handful of other Marvel ones that look similar with all of the casts spread out the exact same way. Right, right. Um but yeah, it's just so that's the movie poster. Now going into the movie, the, the couple of things that more a lot of people don't know about. So the character V, who the the main person who plays is Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving has been in like Lord of the Rings. He's Mr. Anderson, The Matrix, various other roles he's been in. Uh, very good actor. Um, but overall, there was four different people that played. The character and it was weird reasons why um so and also another thing Hugo weaving which i'll explain had to uh perform his lines twice so 
again, so most people credit Hugo Weaving for the, for the role itself, but um, originally the movie uh, they had picked a uh, an actor named James Purefoy to be uh, to be him to be V. Um, and although, if you want to pull up that picture real quick, you see who he is. Um, nope. The the one with the gentleman with sitting next to V, or the their two shots. I'd emailed you earlier. Or if you maybe just didn't get it. Um, but that's the one. So that that he was the original person that was supposed to play, and he actually was there played him he played him for six weeks into shooting but he quit because he couldn't continue to wear the mask through the rest of the shooting and like it got bothered him too much hmm. um and like it kept um it kept like it kept affecting him to to they they, they did end up leaving like the footage that they shot with him uh but they ended up just to save money they had a uh, weaving uh, just like dub his lines, like say his lines, and then they dubbed them over the, the his voice over the action. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also like two stunt doubles that had played, uh, that played played him as well. Um, one of the scenes in the end where I want to say, let me see, it's played by. Yeah, so David like Leitch, Leitch, L E I T C H. So he will in the in the final Victoria Station fight scene. Uh, although if you want to throw up that image really quick, um, so he, they they shot this scene because they go slow motion. So instead of instead of him going slow motion, they had everyone else go in slow motion. To kind of speak, save time on again on film and stuff like that. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting, like how the, like when when if you've ever seen the movie like that, it doesn't. It, it looks like that they may have, you know. Um, so you're saying the actors were moving slowly instead of them just right using so slow motion. He was, no, editing. he was going. You know, he was going on normal speed, uh-huh. and the actors moved in slow motion. Okay. The other ones, sorry. So all the other actors around him, all these people that are in this clip, they went slow motion, and he went at a normal speed. Gotcha. Um, at the end, and uh, click there, um, and then when, and then again. So he did have to, and I mentioned earlier, he had to uh, redo the scenes uh, of the dialogue because the mask originally it was so bulky that it was when he spoke through it, it, it was it came out really bad. So he had to, there was a new mask created where he just had to kind of re, you know, redo this each scene and just, just audio wise. Um, And then they obviously, once the shooting was completed, he re-recorded in in the studio and then they dubbed it on there. So that's interesting um, that regard. So again, uh, uh, now going on to Natalie Portman's character, um, she like extensively studied for this role, like almost like going back to school. You know, she wanted to give an in-depth performance. Um, she read multiple biographies of Guy Fox. Uh, Guy Fox again being the mass, uh, the the basis of the line of 
remember, remember the 5th of November, uh, the Guy Fox um, poem, if you will. Um, he read like all, all his conspiracy, conspiracies, studied the birth, growth of various fascist and extremist movements, researched several um, like real life uh, anarchist uh, uprisings, all to get kind of the mindset of the person who would be indoctrined into a vigilante lifestyle. Like she covered like the, her American accent. Um, she like she went to like this linguistic person that that teaches people how to you know do different accents. So she really like went in depth into into that role and and did such a great job. And again, that's why you see Natalie Portman such a great actress. Um, and then and this and the second to last, I have two more things that I do want to point out. Uh, this movie was originally supposed to be made. They wanted to originally make this in the eighties. Uh, the studio, the because the comic was written in the eighties, and it was it was popular right away. It's like it was popular right away as soon as it came out, uh, and, and the studio wanted to kind of you know pick up on that popularity uh, and the idea. And at first, the first official script was written by a Hillary Hankin in like 1993. They, they had started planning it in the 80s and it was supposed to be original script in 1993. And it just kept kind of bouncing around to different studios, production studios, not really being, um, being so many like, you know, artistic issues. Um, people wanting to change a lot of the script and, and things like that, not getting agreed upon. Um, and then eventually uh, the Wachowski siblings while they were working on the matrix between that time they ended up picking up and in 2003 they finally made it into uh production and they made the movie um and the last thing i'll mention there was a of all the action scene this was an action movie right so you'd imagine there'd be a lot of difficult scenes shooting this movie and, and they ended up mentioning that the domino scenes was the hardest to shoot um, there's a there was a video link, although I don't know if you saw it. I I forgot to mention. Yep. So this is the domino scene and uh, in the uh, in the movie. It's it's towards the end, so we'll play it really quick. It's super short. Yeah, so like that scene, the people who are not listening or just listening on on a podcast, it's a scene where there's like a crap ton of dominoes, um, and he basically pulls pulls one down, pushes down the domino, and makes the, his logo the V logo. Um, they ended up using like twenty two thousand dominoes. Uh, it was like a pain for them to set it up. Um, 
And basically, yeah, it took over like 200 hours to do that scene for them. So that was like a ridiculously painful scene for them to... Do you know how many takes it was? Uh, I'm not... I I didn't find that out. I was just reading. It said that it took them over 200 hours to set set the scene up, I should say. To set it up. So maybe they did it in one take, maybe? I hope so. I I would hope so. Yeah, exactly. I would hope so. Uh, oh, you know, and, and so I guess the reason it took 200 hours is because they had they took us several different um angles as well. Mm, so they set it up over and over again. So, yeah, that was like probably the that was definitely the toughest scene. The crew, the crew said that that was like the toughest scene to do. Uh, but yeah, the, this movie, I just feel like it's, it's it, it doesn't get talked about enough when, when people talk about comic book movies. It's like especially when you consider like the budget wasn't too big, they were trying to you know cut many angles, save money. Um, you know, it's it's not like you know the the actor is the main actor was obviously a great actor Hugo Weaving, but you know he's not. It's not your average like you know comic book character where it's, it's a face to the character like an actual face. He's wearing a mask the entire time. Nobody knows who the the man behind the mask really is. You find out tidbits about him, and then you find out a little bit, um, but you don't really find out who he was to the core. He's just a symbol of fighting a fascist regime, um, and he's an idea, basically, and the idea never goes away. That's something, you know, the, a man can die, but the idea lives on forever type of thing. So I think, in my opinion, I, I really love them. Have you ever seen it? Um, yes, I have. As a matter of fact, I'm actually very glad you picked this movie because, um, when I was going through, like when you asked me like, you know, this question, uh, the other day and trying to figure out what I wanted to pick, um, obviously I felt if I was going to pick something, I probably own it already. Like if it's something underrated, but I love it, I have to own it. So I was going through my movie list of all my digital stuff and v for vendetta is a movie that i absolutely love and i could have easily have picked it i'm glad i didn't go with it because you did um but i it's one of my favorite movies period area yeah. ever like in general um i love this movie so much uh when it came out and when i bought it on dvd and stuff back then um i kid you not I used to watch it annually for at least three or four years on November 4th at 10 something o'clock, like a specific time every (laughs) year. So that when the train hits parliament at midnight in the movie, it would be midnight, November 5th, real world time. I did it like literally for like three or four years because it was like my annual movie to watch. I'm too old and tired to do that nowadays. And I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> I wish I had the energy to keep doing that, but it is, I, I haven't actually seen it in quite a while because of that. Every, every time November 4th comes up, I'm like, I should watch November, uh, V for Vendetta, but I don't want to watch it like in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it, but it's still like i absolutely love um this movie it's one of the reasons why i love natalie portman uh and hugo weaving honestly i think they're both um really great in this movie and yeah it's, it's just one of those like 
because uh, we'll all get into it also with my movie. Um, this was 2005, which honestly, uh, looking at that, I'm like shocked that it was that long ago. Right. But this was at that time where comic book movies were still considered niche right. and bad. Like mm-hmm. it was always going to be like comic book movies are bad with the exception of Blade and Spider-Man and Batman, which at this time, the Dark Knight wasn't even out or anything like that. So it was just basically no, right. uh, Blade and Spider-Man and X-Men kind of. Uh, but for the most part, comic book movies are bad. There's very niche. Nobody cares about them. Yada, yada hard to adapt and so on. And then this movie, you could easily not know it was a comic book movie because it's not those big names. It's not Superman. It's not uh, the flash or any of those well-known names. Um, but like one thing that I, every time I see, especially Halloween, I see the guy Fox mask all the time. So it just reminds me right. of a vendetta um, every single time. And I, and all of not just Halloween, but any type of anarchy sort of thing going on in society, people wear the guy Fox mask. Exactly. And um, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. The uh, you at the beginning of the, the podcast, you asked me what's been going on. I meant to say, but I forgot to say right before we started is that um, so V for Vendetta, it was the book was written by Alan Moore. Right. And uh, he hated the movie. He hated the movie. <laughs> he hates everything that's adapted of his, yeah, um, including true. including the Watchmen, which is what I want to say is that I've actually I own the book, the you know his written book, the the graphic novel, The Watchmen. I started reading it like many years ago, but I didn't get past like issue two or three just because I ran out of time and I just haven't picked it up again. But when we were talking about HBO Max um, stuff content mm-hmm. on there i realized that there was actually a watchman um like a uh, a uh, like an animated comic book of watchman where it's voice acted okay. and i've been watching that on hbo max over the last couple of weeks so it's about 12 episodes long maybe 15 or something like that i think it's because i think it's like 12 uh comics in the in that book or something like that and so it's just literally the panels from the comic book, but animated. Um, so they do move a little bit, but they are, um, I don't know if you've ever seen like the uh, Astonishing X-Men uh, uh, where yeah. they animated like that. It's right. just like that. Um, so that part, good. Um, but the big issue I have with it, which makes me, it makes it hard to watch because there's only one voice actor for the entire everything and you know how many characters mm-hmm. are in that book so it's one guy voicing all characters big small male female he's doing the voice for everyone so he changes the pitch of his voice a little bit for most characters but he still voices women so he'll be talking to himself when he's talking back and forth between two characters like Mr. dr manhattan and right. um, Sally Jupiter or anybody else. Um, it gets really awkward, especially when they're having some intimate moments <laughs> and they're going back and forth. And that's just like really weird. So it's like hard to hard to digest. But um, <laughs> I've been watching that and uh, I need to finish it. 
But um, anyway, that's uh, just how I feel about V for Vendetta. No, yeah, it's like I said, it's it's a really good movie, and it's basically it's uh, yeah, I, I, it's just a really good movie that I really like, and um, you know, you, like I said, overall the character you don't know a lot about, you find about a little bit about what happened. There was something personal that happened to him, but then because of that personal thing, he decides to take down an entire fascist regime. Regime. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really um, it's a really great movie in my opinion. Um, but we'll we'll get into your movie now. It was Scott Pilgrim versus versus the World. So um, I'll let you start out or take it away. Yeah. So another one of my absolute favorite movies, Scott Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I saw it in theaters when it came out, and uh, you know not to get too into it of course but i was on a little date uh when i went to go see this and uh, she had no expectations because she had no idea what it was i only saw trailers and was mildly uh intrigued by it but i had no idea uh, this was also adapted from a graphic novel i want to say i don't think it was actually a comic where there's small issues issues but it was more like a book with you know, a picture book so a graphic novel uh, adapted from that and going into it i really just didn't know a whole lot and we both like even she was very very surprised at how good this movie was um visually it is just this awesome awesome treat which you know despite the fact that we have all this technology and hd upscaling and stuff like that nothing is actually better than watching this movie in theaters at least and like my first viewing of it um because i in preparation for this, I decided, well, I just go ahead and watch it. I haven't watched it in a couple of years. So I watched it this morning. And even since I've owned it this entire time for the last 10 plus years on DVD, now on like a digital HD, it looks good. But in theaters, it looks so much better because they have these uh, visuals on screen that pop. Like one, right. the, the movie again is based on a graphic novel slash comic book. So there's a lot of parts where there's panels or they use like comic book panels going from one or showing two characters in panels or one scene to another, whereas panels like that. And then they have visual effects. Uh, and then words like this here it says whip. And he's like throwing Scott Pilgrim into this castle and it just goes with him or words coming out of people's mouths. Um, lightning bolts and air and all of these things that are just happening um, throughout the movie. And it's so neat. It's so cool. And it just like, when you like, again, I went into the movie blind, you go and watch this and you just see this, like, Oh, there's words on the, okay. So that was cool for the intro. I was like, Oh, it's still going. Oh, this is cool. Like they're the way they're doing this. And then, um, it's it's so refreshing every time you just like you're like ooh look at that one and that one's cool that one's funny or uh it has interesting information sometimes on there and just the way that the movie was shot it just looks so much better on uh the big screen even compared to this like this is still good right. but like it's just it doesn't feel the same so um this is definitely one of those movies where whenever they do a re-release in theaters this is a movie that you should go back and see in theaters like for sure um because watching it at home is fun but it's one of those cult classic movies and we're talking about with aldo 
uh, right before the show. Um, again, we're talking about movies that are underrated. This movie had a budget of $60 million and only had a worldwide gross of $48 million. So it yeah. didn't even um, meet its like break-even point on, on box office sales. So not a lot right. of people saw this movie, but it is a cult classic. And over time, people have gone back to it and visited it. Uh, but it's still, you know, it came out in 2010 in that era where, yeah, Iron Man came out and there were comic book movies and uh, things were starting to pick up. But it was still very niche. It was still not a whole lot of um, diversity, but things were picking up. People were noticing, hey, hey, if you do a comic book movie right, people might actually like it, might actually go see it. But it was still um it was starting to get oversaturated at that point uh, but not quite yet and this movie just didn't do enough to get people invested in if it came out now i think it would probably do gangbusters um but that's just my opinion uh, i guess it had an absolutely incredible cast to it um at that time, a lot of the people here weren't nearly as known, but yet at the same time, some people got around. I mean, you got Michael Sarah, who uh, what that was that was kind of the peak of his popularity. It was right. That it was, was it for the most part. Like he had. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, the what was the thing? It was a uh, what was that movie called? Um, darn internet slow super bad yeah super bad was i would say that was probably the height of his popularity but him cashing in on between that he was also in juno i forgot about that so between super bad and juno this was like michael Sarah uh when he was at his height and people like he was hot so getting him in this movie was actually like a big deal but like immediately after this it was kind of like no one really cares about because he has like a very odd comedic timing and style right right. i think there's some personal stuff too that just kind of got in the way of his career but at this time he was still like super hot and he's still great in this role Uh, it's hard to imagine someone else doing it but uh between him there's um mary elizabeth winstead who would later go on there's a 10 cloverfield lane she was also huntress in the um what you call it birds of prey movie um you got chris evans obviously captain america but also the human torch that was like something more recent for him he wasn't captain america yet when he was in this movie um you got aubrey plaza this freaking aubrey plaza um brie larson very young uh, well before she was Captain Marvel and Anna Kendrick, Brandon Ruth, after him being Superman. Yeah, that um, was after after Superman. Yep. Right. So this this had they had a like a lot going for it as far as the cast goes, and then directed by Edgar Wright. And Edgar Wright, this was I wouldn't say his earliest work. He did some stuff before this. Um, Shaun of the Dead probably being the most notable. Uh, that he did before uh, this movie. But then you have to also remember Edgar Wright was supposed to and did work on the original Ant-Man movie. It was his thing that he was trying to push for, like 
I think well over a decade, um, if I remember correctly, and ended up pulling out of the project because Marvel did take it on, obviously, but because Marvel wanted to have it connect to the MCU and he didn't want it to connect to the MCU, he wanted it to be a standalone thing. That's what he pulled out and they uh, ended up moving on. But as far as I know, they didn't change a whole lot from what Edgar Wright wanted with Ant-Man. They just connected it to the MCU. So for the most part, Ant-Man is like still very like an Edgar Wright type movie. Um, but yeah, it's super fun. Uh, one of my favorite movies it has tons of great music within it, which, you know, you have to get the soundtrack to hear more of the full, full rips of uh, the songs, but they have like a lot of little beats in there. And this was actually like one of my, I wouldn't say introductions, but like for me personally, I listen to a lot of uh, hip hop and R&B and a little bit of reggae. Um, so music with guitars and drums and stuff. I like it, but it's not like I go out of my way to listen to any of that type of music. I don't even know like the appropriate genres to call anything. So this movie hit me with a whole lot of new kinds of music that I was into immediately, like just watching the movie and vibed with. And then one of the songs that I love the most in this movie was performed by Brie Larson. Right. And it's a, it was her cover of a song that I didn't even know was a real song until like a couple years ago. I thought it was like a song. Oh, that really? they made. Yeah, I thought oh, it was oh, a yeah. song that they made for the for her. Like she was just singing it. No, no, uh, yeah, original it's a music. real band. Yeah, real band. The song is called Black Sheep. The band is called Metric, and she performs it so well. Like hearing the whole thing, it's like so good that I actually like her version more. I've like listened to yeah. the original metric song i like her version way more than i like their version and which is a shame but i really 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 like her version a lot um but there's just like so much going on this is and i didn't even like what's funny is i didn't even know that this was brie larson until the cap like right around captain marvel came out and i was looking back at um right before like her casting was like who is she and what has she done before all of this and getting into her i was like wait a second she was in Scott Pilgrim. What in Adams? Yeah. Who was that? And I had to go back and I was like, <gasps> "What? That was her? Are you kidding? Yeah. Like, wow! <laughs> what? One of my favorite characters in the movie, and one of my favorite scenes. Which we, I do have a clip from. I actually wanted to play that song, um, like in this clip, but I was afraid that we might get DCMA because of the music just in case. So the clip that I wanted to play from the movie is uh, about a scene or two afterward uh, with the vegan police. So there's like a couple of um, comedic bits right before this that lead into it, but I didn't, you know, we're not going to be here watching the movie. So I just wanted to show the last little bit of it. broken you're through what say we drink to my memory fair trade blend with soy milk 
I'm sorry, but that's pathetic. Dude, I can see in your mind's eye that you put half and half into one of those coffees in an attempt to make me break vegan edge. I'll take the one with soy. Thanks, Tua. Actually, muchacho, I poured the soy in this cup, but I thought real hard about pouring it in that cup. You know, in my mind's eye or whatever. <laughs> what are you talking about? You just drank half and half, baby. Freeze! Vegan police! Vegan police! God, Ingram, you're under arrest for veganity violation. Code number 827. Five and a half and a half. It's bull roar. No vegan diet, no vegan powers. But, but, it's only my first offense, so don't I get three strikes? I mean, take it. At 12.27 a.m. on February 1st, you know only ingested gelato. Gelato isn't vegan. It's milk and eggs, bitch. On April 4th, 7.30 p.m., you partook a plate of chicken parmesan. Chicken <laughs> isn't vegan? The vegan eggs are ready. Hit him. <laughs> You once were a vegan, but now you will be gone. Vegan. That's awesome. I love that yeah. movie. Yeah. So I actually I forgot to explain uh, even what even the movie is, but um, I'll explain that part. So right before that, um, we find out that uh, that guy. You now is uh, Brendan Roth's character. He is a uh, a vegan, and he is uh, you know, just in this world. Vegans have special powers. Why? Because they are just better than everyone else. So <laughs> they have like psychic powers, and they are just uh, able to you know, put up psychic shields and float and, you know, do telekinesis and, and all of these really cool things. And, uh, and then that was his weakness is that he was tricked into um, drinking half and half and they took away his vegan powers. But in general, the movie is about uh, Scott Pilgrim and he's Canadian and he is dating this young girl named uh, Knives Chow. Uh, he just started dating her. She's in high school, and he is not. He is older, but he's he like 20, 21. He's, he's like 20, 21. 20, 20, 22, I think he said. Yeah, 21, um, 22. So he's dating her, and then he starts, he has a dream where this mysterious girl shows up, and he has no idea what it means. And then he goes to this party, and she's there, and it is Ramona Flowers. He finds out more about her he falls for her and they start like it's you know after a few exchanges they do start dating while he's still with um knives he didn't break up with her yet and then um once he starts dating ramona he gets this email saying you are you know i have to fight you now you, you have to fight face the evil exes and the whole premise of the movie is that um to date Ramona flowers, you have to fight and defeat all of her evil exes. She has seven evil ex, uh, partners, I will say, uh, 
in the movie and uh he has to go through and fight each and every one of them and they all have like spectacular powers and abilities uh and it's super fun to see uh all of these different fights especially because the movie is shot in a way that is both a comic book like but also a video game like so you have a lot of great sound effects and you have uh like like video game yeah 8-bit stuff and it's very video game like video game like like you're fighting a boss character to get to the next level but then shot in a comic book kind of way where there's the different panels the different uh screen effects and things like that and uh it's just super fun it is admittedly a little slow paced at the beginning up until he gets to fight the first evil X and you figure out like what's going on. And that's when the movie like picks up and you see, okay, what, this is what the movie is about. So once it gets going, it's like a freaking thrill ride. And uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, absolutely deserving more attention. And uh, again, this cast is crazy. I know they got together a year or two ago because I mean, it had, it was the 10th anniversary. So the movie came out with, uh 2010 so it would have been 2020 they all got together uh most of them i think brie was the only one that wasn't uh present for it but um they all got together and they all reminisce and stuff and it was really fun to see um absolutely love the movie you said you've yeah. seen it before yeah well, I've, I've seen so both the v for vendetta and and scott pilgrim versus the world i I watch that off and on, like randomly. I'll watch the movies. They're just really fun movies. Like same way with you, with the way you described going to watch um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. We, a buddy of mine, we went to the movie. We didn't know what to expect. We were just like, yeah, we'll go watch this. We had no clue what it was about. And then after leaving, it was like, holy shit, that was like the best movies ever. That was so freaking good. And yeah, I I knew Brie Larson did that song and everything, um, and I knew that was a real song because I was like so obsessed with the movie. I kept looking everything up. I looked up who who's first. I wanted to see if this was a real song because I really liked it in the movie, and I wanted to like download it. Um, so I was able to find that, and I saw yeah, it is a real song, and the way she sings it is really good too. To be honest, it's really hot the way she sings it, mm-hmm. um, and. Yeah, so I I was I was pretty obsessed with this movie at one point, and I still love it. I, I've watched I think I watched it um, last year one time. Just out of the whim, I was just like, yeah, let me throw this on. Um, it's one of those old. Uh, do you, what I think it came out in nine. What, what year did you say it came out in? Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Okay, yeah. So it's like that one of those old, not old, but like kind of gives you a little nostalgia of like um, how they used to do those comic book movies and stuff like that but yeah it's definitely uh one of my faves for sure and i've like i said i've watched it so many times over and over and uh even like i mean you know my hobby i'm sitting here um never thinking about it until i watched the movie today like man i should make a ramona flowers figure i should make uh, it would be cool to make a couple toys out of this. I'm thinking about it. I'm not 100 percent sure yet, but um, it, it, might, it might happen. They actually I'm, I'm, like when I see stuff, whatever it is, I instantly start thinking about it in toy form. Like, how could I do this? What what legs would I use? Do I have the colors to do that? 
would it work? I, I literally, <laughs> I literally looked up Mary Elizabeth Winsett's height, so I know how tall she is, so I know how to make the toy if I wanted to do it. Right, right. But yeah, this this cast is especially it's it's interesting. Like you've said multiple times, it's such like yeah, I would, uh, if I made it, notable. I would make this one. This picture, uh, I would make this one if I, in this outfit. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. But yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, the show for today. Any final thoughts, Carl, before we uh, wrap up here uh, and get out of here? Um, although I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl, I am going to be um, stalking my YouTube account to see whatever gets posted there. Uh, right. Hopefully, I know we're, we probably will see a Moon Knight something because that's right. coming out soon. Um, who knows? Maybe we see even uh, She-Hulk uh, show up. I think so. They said that a She-Hulk and maybe another Batman. Um, yeah, definitely possibly. it'll be a Batman for uh, sure. Let's drop another month. Batman that mentioned. So, yeah, that's that's definitely something I'm going to be looking forward to, and I'm going to be probably dissecting the She-Hulk and and Moon Knight when they do drop. Um, we're yeah, we're getting closer and closer to batman too so batman is the first week of march um that's going to be here sooner sooner than we know it so that'll be exciting for sure but that is a wrap for today's episode obviously please check out any previous episodes you may have missed we've talked about so many different movies and marvel comic books and other sci-fi movies in general um obviously please follow me at science fiction and you can follow carl at ninja chortle and then obviously, please also check out all the great other shows that we have on the Barroom Network covering the Blackhawks, Bears, uh, both baseball teams in Chicago, the Bulls. Um, just want to give a shout out to my guys, Chris and Laro, do Bulls uh, 101. Um, they're my buddies. They always uh, should support me and shout me out. I just want to give them a little love. Uh, they all have some great stuff that they do covering the Bulls and breaking down film. You learn a lot from their shows. If you're a basketball fan and want to learn learn the game, check out their show. It's it's much better if check. I mean, listen to them on audio, but definitely check them out on uh, video as well because you can learn a lot of stuff that they do when they go over film. But yeah, that's a wrap for today. We will see you guys next time. All right, see ya.